0: Hello people, we are back in the studio. I say studio, it's my living room. Studio sounds better, doesn't it? But welcome back to the Start Simple Podcast. Today's episode is Q&A, type episode, one of the shorter versions where I'm going to cover some of the questions that I've had from my clients over the course of this week, some broader topics and discussions to have that i think you will find useful and yeah basically just my thoughts on a lot of things before we start as i always say shares ratings reviews they go a long way so if you do find this useful if you find it beneficial it means a lot to me if you could share it and yeah, we'll we'll get stuck straight into it. Now, I actually wanted to talk. I didn't plan this for talking about this this morning because I ask my clients throughout check-ins if there's anything they want me to discuss. And then if there's anything that that comes up with a few people, I think it's always beneficial. I know if the people who I work with are asking questions around certain topics, it's probably going to be useful for more than just them. So that's what I usually plan these sort of podcasts around. But So this morning I went to begin work and this was all sort of my own doing. I'll say it's my own doing, more Boris Johnson's doing. But yeah, anyway, when I create a gym program for anybody, depending on the individual, depending on their experience, depending on the the consistency with a training plan, depending on their understanding, all these different things. But basically when I program somebody's exercise, I will program a training block usually between 6 and 12 weeks. 6 being the absolute minimum, which I don't often do to be honest with you. Usually a training block that I would program would be 8 to 12 weeks. You're probably thinking, why are you telling me this mate? As a side note anyway, sticking with a training program for that long, beneficial. But the reason I'm telling you is because obviously the gym's reopened and it's about 12 weeks since the gym's reopened. So without me really thinking about it at the time, I was writing a lot of training programs when the gym's reopened and A lot of those training programs are coming to an end now and I'm having to write new ones. So anyway, I woke up this morning and I had a shit ton of work on And it can be easy when you see so many things in front of you and when you're busy to think, shit, how am I going to manage all this? How am I going to get all this done? And for you, it might not be work, but it might be looking at training programs for yourself and when are you going to fit this in and when are you going to manage to to cook these meals and when are you going to be able to get your steps in and all these different things that can create a little bit of overwhelm. And we're just like, oh shit, I'm swearing a lot in this podcast. I apologize. But we can look at, on paper what we've got to do and think it's loads and this is probably a pretty obvious thing but when i went to sit down to do that work then this morning first thing i did was put my phone away and i cannot stress the amount that i've got done in a period of time where i know if i had my phone with me i'd be scrolling instagram i'd be chatting on whatsapp i'd be just mindlessly scrolling looking at football updates or whatever it might be so i can't stress it enough Little tip for you, before we even get into to the real topics I wanted to talk about, go and check your screen time, go and have a look how much you're spending on apps that I don't want to say you're not benefit from, because you probably do, you probably get entertainment, you probably learn certain things hopefully from places like Instagram, you can learn, but if you're noticing that you're struggling for time for things around, whether it might be work or whether it is your training and nutrition, if you're finding time is a difficulty, that needs to be your first point of call in actually looking how much time you're utilising and how much time are you pissing away on apps that aren't benefiting you as much as a training session would, as much as a walk would, as much as a home coach meal would. Now, the first thing I actually want to talk about that I plan to talk about is an extent of overwhelm. And I touched on overwhelm there, but I want to talk about longer-term overwhelm and goal-setting long-term. Because for lots of people... Our goals aren't just, you know, over the course of a week. Usually we do, and rightfully so. We set big goals, whether that might be weight loss, whether it's a huge performance goal, whether it's, for me at the moment, it's progressing in jiu-jitsu, and that's not something that's going to happen overnight, but long-term goals. And it's something I've discussed with a few clients this week because they've been working towards certain goals for a while and wanting to make progress as fast as possible, which of course, everyone wants to make progress as fast as possible. It wouldn't make sense not to, would it? Wouldn't make sense to say, I I want to work towards this in the slowest possible way. No, you want to make progress as fast as possible, but at the same time, that being a reasonable and sustainable pace for you. But when there is longer term goals, it can be hard to see the end point of these things. It can be hard to on a day to day basis, wake up and be motivated to do the little things on a day to day when The end goal, the end result of the goal isn't going to be coming for 6, 12, 18, 24 months. Like it can be that long term and that's okay. And the piece of advice that I've given a number of my clients, and I actually spoke about it on Instagram this week, is stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about what you're trying to get to in 12 months time because that is far away 12 months is a long time and it's a very difficult place to put your focus and put your emphasis on something that's a year away and we've seen it recently how much can change in a year so to to put you so much focus on the long term and where you're trying to be in a certain amount of time isn't always beneficial and actually what I suggest doing and what I've got people doing this week focus on the day-to-day stop thinking about where you're going to be in. don't don't think about next week When you wake up this morning, think about what have you got in your control today? You've probably got in your control to put your phone down, like I've just said, and go and hit a step count. You've got it within your control to, even if you're a bit tired, even if you're a little bit hungry and you've got a few cravings, you still have it in your control to make the decision to spend some time and cook a home-cooked meal. You've got it within your control to make sure that you can get your gym session in and that you don't just sack it off because it's been a long day in work. And you make those things so much more achievable and easier to do when you break them down on a day-to-day basis and you wake up in the morning you think what exactly do I need to do today not over the next month not over the next year what exactly do I need to do today to get my goals and then at the end of the day you can sit back and you can reflect have I done everything within my control today that will help me long term and when you break it down and you think of it on that sort of a level as opposed to Blowing it out of proportion and thinking about all the things and all the many workouts you've got to do over a year, or the steps every day of every week, or the calories or the protein for for the rest of the month and year, and managing it around all these different things—it becomes so much more manageable. The other thing with goal setting, and I'm a huge believer in this, and this isn't just me saying this. There's research to support this be mindful of how you are going about setting and achieving goals. So what I'm talking specifically about is approach versus avoid. Now you listening to this, I can almost guarantee that you'll have done an avoidance style goal before. I'm not going to eat chocolate. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to get takeaways. I'm not going to X, Y, Z. And you tell yourself everything that you're not going to do to achieve a goal. And then let's be real. You are going to eat pizza again. You are going to drink again. You are going to eat chocolate again. So then when you end up doing those things, because at some stage it's inevitable because life, because advertisement, because you're a human being, at some stage you do go to those things and you do eat those things and you do drink those things and you do the things that you said you weren't going to do. And then because you've done those actually normal things, you label yourself a failure for something that was probably inevitable and that that you didn't need to set that style of a goal anyway. So the opposite of that is approach goals. And the things that you can do and the things that are within your control, as opposed to just focusing on all the, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. Well, do you know what I am going to do? I'm going to eat some fruit today. I'm going to have a glass of water every day when I wake up. I'm going to go for a walk after work every single day. I'm going to make sure I do my training sessions this week. I'm going to make shopping lists. I'm going to research some recipes, get some books in a topic I'm interested in, I'm going to read instead of this. Or do you see what I mean? Telling yourself the things that you are going to do and the positive things that you're going to do as opposed to the negatives and the things that you aren't going to do. So be mindful in the way that you speak about setting goals and then be mindful about the way that you actually manage going and achieving them. And break them down into these smaller day-to-day habits as opposed to worrying about what you've got to do for the next three six twelve months and i wasn't even going to talk about goal setting but here we are the next topic i got was from one of my one-to-one clients callum and we were talking about rest days and specifically how to use rest days when to use rest days and or why to use rest days and all things rest days now the obvious boring answer is it's individual It's why training splits and training programs are important and managing your training across the course of a week is important, but fundamentally, everybody needs to be having rest days. You need to take days off. You are not going to progress if you're training every day. There's a number of reasons for that. Number one, anybody who's training every single day, I can guarantee their training performance isn't as good as it could. That's the fairly obvious reason. That's the reason that you don't need science to tell you. It just makes sense. If you are at it every single day, there's going to be fatigue, there's going to be tiredness, and your performance won't be where it should be. So before we go into any of the nitty-gritty and we start using big words, it's just pure common sense. You need to be taking time off to rest, recover, relax. Now, you can optimise that, and that's why we've... Certainly, if you were going for a, maybe a five-day-a-week training programme the way that you split that training program up would have to be a lot more tactical. You might split body parts up so that, although, yes, you may be in the gym five days a week, you might train legs on a Monday and then you won't train them again to a Thursday. So at least that muscle group is getting rest. So your training split is going to be extremely important in how you use your rest days. And that's going to be individual. But more so, why are they important and how do we know when to use them? I know one of the phrases that Callum used when he asked me was, Should he listen to his body? So we'll come back to that. But we touched last week on progressive overload. We touched on how to make sure progressive overload takes place and why progressive overload is important. It's important for muscle growth and muscle protein synthesis. So we know that when we're in the gym, the, the, the goal of resistance training is to cause these little tears in our muscle fibers. Okay and inside the gym is where we, these tears take place. During those sessions where you're using your muscles, that's what's going on, but it's not in the gym where growth or recovery takes place. That takes place outside the gym. That takes place when you're at home, when you sleep, when you rest. So body body's job outside of the gym is to repair these fibers and to build new muscle And that's how it takes place. So, And that's how it takes place when muscle protein synthesis, so that's the building of muscle, is more than muscle protein breakdown. So that's the breaking down of the muscle that we do in resistance training sessions. Now, if that's the equation for muscle building, where repair is more than breakdown, the opposite of that then is where breakdown is more than repair is more than protein synthesis. So if your muscle protein breakdown is more than your muscle protein synthesis, your body isn't able to recover. It isn't able to build new muscle. And if we're not allowing our body to rest and recover between sessions, then your muscle protein breakdown is likely to be higher than your muscle protein synthesis, which is detrimental to muscle growth. And these are conversations I've had to have with people in the past where Overtraining is actually the reason that it's stopping you getting the maximum results that you can now part of that is a mindset thing because a lot of people the gym is important for mental health too and having a routine of being able to go but if that is you and you're one of those people who has to train every day or has to go to the gym every day get a podcast on do some very light cardio and use that in the time that you would normally do but Going into the gym and hammering every single session, every single day, it's not optimal for actually getting results. You need to let yourself have a rest. Now, importantly, as much as I will say that, don't use it as a cop-out. There is a difference between skipping gym sessions because mm, I can't be asked and actually needing rest and recovery so when should you take rest now on a week-to-week basis again that's going to depend on your training split let's say for instance you train three days a week for me personally i would be doing a day on a day's rest a day on a day's rest a day on four days a week it depends again on your training split but for example if it was an upper lower split you could do monday tuesday upper lower wednesday is a rest day thursday friday upper lower so on a shorter term basis making sure that you split your sessions up try not to make sure that it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, train, four days rest. Try and split your rest up across the course of a week. But on a longer term basis, and this is where deload weeks will come into play, Signs that you are really overtraining and that you do need to start to focus on rest and recovery a little bit more. If your sleep quality is starting to suffer, if you're getting DOMS, so delayed onset muscle soreness, that's what DOMS is, which is basically that feeling of aching after training. Now, DOMS is normal, particularly at the start of a new training phase and particularly after a tough session, and that's okay. But if it's getting past two, three, four days and you're still finding that you're suffering and that you're not recovering fully, That's a sign that you need to be taking more rest days. Another one, if if your training performance starts to stall, if it drops, if you're noticing that maybe your lifts aren't improving or weights that you would normally use are starting to feel a little heavier, again, that's probably a sign that you need to be taking some level of rest. And it's where, like I say, a deload week will come in. So a deload week, the idea of it is to... Have a week's training where you still, of course, go to the gym, but maybe you take 40% off the load, maybe even 50% depending on the level that you're at. And you use that week for almost an active recovery. You think I like to explain it almost as if a marathon runner, he wouldn't sprint the entire race. He'd pace himself. He might look in the middle of the race to take it a little bit slower so he can go faster towards that end of the race. And that's where you would use a deload week within a training block. But yeah, so to summarize, rest days are imperative to get in progress. You should not be training all seven days of the week. It is not optimal for results. And you're not going to get results if you're training like that. It's going to risk injury. Fatigue will happen and performance will drop. In terms of how and when to use your rest days, you want to be splitting them up across the course of a week. You could use those rest days to increase your step count or do some very light cardio. On a longer term basis, you want to be making sure that you're using deload weeks during your training programs. Personally, I tend to find week six to eight is where they are most useful. But again, that's where I've said if you're noticing performance is dropping increased DOMS and maybe up on week five of a training block or week eight of a training block that's where you need to be bringing in a deload. Now, another part of what Callum asked was around the fact that he is death-based. So he feels that because he's inactive throughout the day because of work, which is going to be the case for a lot of people, that he needs to do something and he needs to move. And that again is where I would be saying, okay, but go and do something like on the days that you're not training steps is fine get outdoors listen to listen to this podcast maybe some mobility work maybe some stretching maybe some yoga but actually not going to the gym some days taking those days to rest and to recover is optimal for your results as opposed to just going to the gym for the sake of it it's where having a good training program comes in and it's where making the most of the sessions then that you're actually in the gym comes in make sure when you do go to the gym that you are pushing hard and that you are getting the best results because then you can actually use those rest days and you don't need to go into the gym. You don't want to be that person who's half ass in every session and then thinking mm, I could have gone and done a little bit more there. Make use of the days that you go into the gym and make use of the days that you're resting and recovering and you're going to get the best results. Now the last little bit I wanted to touch on and this came up in the check-in with Laura this week is meal plans because I think her exact words to me was I don't like meal plans as in me Andrew just to be clear. She said I know you don't like meal plans and you're right. I don't like meal plans in the stereotypical manner of a meal plan. I don't agree with meal plans as a form of education for you. I don't agree with meal plans as a method of coping with your nutrition, of managing life. They don't work. I've never met somebody who's received a meal plan and has gone, actually this has worked for me and I've got everything I need for the rest of my life. It's not going to happen, is it? So the reason I don't like your stereotypical meal plans is because one, food choices, food preferences, food cravings, life. How do you manage if you've got a meal plan, but you get home from work and your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your kids say, oh, I want to go out for tea tonight. And it's not on the meal plan. Because of that, not being on the meal plan immediately, that has to take you quote unquote off plan. So now a meal out with your friends and your family is deemed as off plan and is put in the bracket of something that you shouldn't be doing. And it's bollocks. It's absolute bollocks. And the other thing about meal plans, they're always shit. The meal choices on there, you could say them now, it's always the same sort of thing. It's overnight oats, it's, it's salmon, it's, it's a plain chicken breast and cauliflower rice. And don't get me wrong, these food choices alone, there's nothing wrong with them. But you find me anybody who's going to live like that, who's going to live like a robot. Unless you're a bodybuilder, and quite frankly, a bit of a gimp, you're not going to do it. So when you get meal plans from coaches or PTs, it's laziness on their behalf. It's always the same meal plan. They're not making separate meal plans for every individual who they come to work with they're giving the same meal plan and at the most they're changing a few portion sizes to fit with that person's calories but it's not giving you strategies it's not giving you understanding it's not giving you education now there's a difference because laura wasn't talking about a meal plan like that laura was talking about creating a meal plan for herself which i then said to her i 100% agree with for you If you're somebody who maybe struggles with routine a little bit, if you struggle with managing nutrition alongside life, a busy work, shift work, which was the case here, then there is absolutely nothing wrong with you sitting down on a Sunday, making out a shopping list, having a rough idea what you're going to have for your tea, for your breakfast each day, and planning towards that. For a start, you're doing it for yourself, so you know the foods that you like, and you know the foods that you want to eat. But importantly, and I can't stress this being the case enough with Flora, is that she knows how to manage because of the work that we've done and we talked about, like meal times around shift and protein servings and how to get protein servings. I have full confidence that if she had a sweet and sour chicken on her meal plan, but for some reason that day it wasn't available to her, it wouldn't mean that everything else had to go wrong. It would be that she had a different strategy in place where she could go and manage that. And the reason is because she can she created that meal plan herself based on her own preferences, and that's what we worked together for. Her. Like she's able to do that now. She's able to include all the foods. That She loves within that. Now, for me, like I said, I won't give you a meal plan. I can give you example days of eating. I can give you food lists and shopping lists and fruit and vegetables and how to get protein and when is a good time to eat and how can you make yourself feel more full and the practical applications. How can you go into a restaurant and know how to pick a certain meal? What things should I look for in a restaurant? If I'm going to get a takeaway, what should I be thinking about for the rest of the day when I'm getting a takeaway? The actual things that are going to affect your life that's what's important. Not a meal plan on a piece of paper that says you've got to eat X, Y and Z at this time. Because let's be honest, no one wants to do that. So a shorter episode this week answering hopefully a few questions that some of you find useful. As always, if there's topics I've discussed there and you don't fully understand or you want me to go into a bit more detail or... So I've said something and it's, it's resonated with you and you've noticed that in your, in your own training or you've been given a meal plan and you felt the same sort of struggles, send me a message. In the meantime, please do leave a review, leave a rating, tag me on Instagram if you're listening, if you're out on a walk, if you're training, if you're on a rest day, um, tag me on Instagram, let me know, at that ginger guy. Next week's episode is I am joined by some absolute legends of guests. So I'm very excited for that one. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Hope you're good and speak soon.